Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. The Golden Knights rookies split the first two games of the rookie faceoff. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick on this Monday here in Las Vegas. You could find us. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G on Twitter as well. You could find us at Lockdown VGK. And also make sure to subscribe to Lockdown VGK on our YouTube channel. So over the weekend, Chris, I watched, okay, if you're going to watch any of these rookie face-off games, uh, two things. Take some Dramamine because it's really shaky. Uh, and the other thing is a lot of folks were saying, oh, yeah, great goal by Brendan Brisson. Of course, everything was over-modulated on the microphone. So was like, if you're going to watch today's game, the final game, uh, where we've got Anaheim and VGK going at it, uh, don't don't say that you you saw a great goal or a great play because you can't follow along very well. I will tell you one thing, right, Chris? I, I thought that we saw perhaps just a glimpse, a little glimpse of Bruce Cassidy and what he wants to do. And I feel as though one of the things, one of the areas that they're going to work on is clogging up the neutral zone. This is something that VGK really, right, did not do well last season. So one thing I remember uh, reading in various reports is Cassidy stated he wanted to take less chances in the neutral zone. So let's go back to particularly season one, which is when we were the best at it. Season two, we were okay with Gallant, but season one, folks, I've said this a bunch of times, a relentless forecheck. That relentless forecheck does have risk. If you have two forwards on the other side of the blue line trying to cause a turnover, one pass can spring a four-on-three, you know, a three-on-two type scenario if you're not careful. So by clogging up the neutral zone or the blue line, more importantly, you are taking less risk. But the payoff is you are trying to do more to disrupt the other team's timing as they make a neutral zone at entry. That's the most important thing during a breakout. There, there, there's two, I mean, there, there's two steps to a breakout. There's the first pass that usually comes from behind the net or, you know, the defenseman skates up and makes a pass not far from the crease. And then from that point, it's all about timing, whether there's one or two passes to gain entry, whether it's a dump and chase, that type of thing. Um, the best example I can offer of this, Tony, is on a power play. When teams are trying to make an entry on the power play, it is all about timing and speed coming between the red line and the offensive blue line for the team on the attack. More times than not, the team on the power play, they go up, they get to the blue line or even the red line, and they dump it back to a forward or a defenseman. That forward or defenseman has a full head of steam and either makes a pass or simply skates the puck right in. If that player is disrupted or that pass gets disrupted, the entire play falls apart. Same thing in a five and five scenario. If you can muddy up the neutral zone, you disrupt the timing, disrupt the entire play. And uh, so VGK won once and they lost in the shootout on Saturday in the rookie faceoff, which is being played in San Jose. Uh, there were some bright spots for the Golden Knights and for the rookies. And I don't know if they're expecting too much, you know, out of the rookies. They just want to see if they're playing hard, if they're doing the right things, if they're following direction uh, from the coaches, the assistant coaches, 
of course, of the Henderson Silver Knights. But VGK uh, topped Arizona 3-2. to two. That was the game in which Brendan Brisson scored a couple of goals. Didn't do much in the second game. On Saturday, the VGK rookies lost to the Kings 5-4 to four in the shootout. That was a game in which they blew a 4-2 to two lead, Chris. Um, first, the opening game. Uh, again, it appears as though Brisson, I know we're gaga over him, uh, but it, prepare, it it definitely makes you feel that he's prepared to make it on the next level, uh, ready for the next step. And uh, also we saw the other goal was Jordan Gustafson. He scored for VGK. Uh, the play that impressed me, though, when I could keep track of the puck and see where <laughs> it was at, um, was Isaiah Seville. I'm, I'm telling you, loaded up on the drama meme. Uh, Isaiah Seville playing really well in spurts, um, and he locked down the win. Uh, he had 24 saves on 26 shots, and this this will be his first full season, right, at the AHL level? I believe so. Um, we were at his first game at Orleans Arena, and I, I explained this last week or the week before on the show. Me and my kid were at the game like we always are, and our seats at the Orleans were right by where the players for the Silver Knights came on and off the ice in the corner before they went into the pits of the Orleans to get to their locker room. And I looked down, and I'm like, Who's this guy? Um, he had like a red and white helmet. The pads didn't match. And I don't even know if he had a name on the back of the jersey for that first weekend or not, to be completely honest. He probably did. And I remember looking him up. I'm like, okay, all right, here's who he is. And like, he looked really well that first game. He looked the part. He continues to look the part. And I think he is growing into the right path. And now he does have a potential full-time role. I say potential, folks, because our AHL situation right now this is not even withstanding Laurent Brassois. Who knows what's going to happen there, of course. But right now, the goaltending situation down in Henderson is Patera, Michael Hutchinson, and now Seville. Hutchinson, I, you know, don't, no disrespect, but I just don't see, I don't want to see him taking away starts from uh, Patera and Seville who need to develop. Yeah, we're going to have to see how that shakes out. Yeah, there's good competition there as well. Uh, VGK blowing that uh, that four to two lead. Uh, they lost on the shootout the next night, and uh, I want to talk about the pairing, defensive pairing, because I was really impressed. A lot of the things they did well that I could see, because of course the camera was lagging, we could never see the net, but we could see the defenseman, and we could see as they started to pinch. But uh, all kidding aside, Leighton Ahak and Caden Korzak. Uh, they combined on an assist on that uh, first goal by Lyndon McCallum, and uh, it was pretty good. And then he also, McCallum, we'll talk about him, but he also had an assist on the Mason uh, Promo goal. But I wanted to talk about that pairing. It, it's really effective, and you could see that they were a step ahead, I think, of everyone else in, in this uh, rookies tournament. Uh, but talk a little bit about, uh, we know Caden Korzak. We talked about him putting on 14 pounds of muscle, and he looks the part. We think he's going to be playing, of course, some games. He'll get a really good look and will be in the lineup for some games. First injury, and we'll see him. But Leighton Ahak, I thought, was really, Ahak played really well, I thought, too. But I really liked that defensive pair, and they were really good together. And it's it's probably because they played a lot on the AHL level with the Silver Knights. Uh, focusing first on Korzak, and I was actually watching Daniel Legrand, who kind of have a little uh, up and back on Twitter, nothing bad or anything like that. But 
you know, kind of quoting Negranu is Korzak seems to be the only player right now that is ready to step in at the NHL level right now when you watch his game. And I, I go back to watching him uh, over the summer over at the rookie camp over at City National, and he was different. He was, I'm not going to say like a men amongst boys or anything like that. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. But he was ahead of the curve as far as all the players on the ice were concerned. He didn't necessarily stand out because as a defenseman, it's kind of hard to really stand out with speed and skill and stuff like that, but always in the right place, doing the right things, uh, finishing each and every single play. And those are the things that, you know, you're looking for that the coaches are looking at uh, while the rookie camp and more importantly, the rookie uh, games are taking place. It's not about hitting the stat sheet. It's not about, you know, scoring goals or getting assists or anything like that. It's simply about doing all the little things right during a shift. You're only out there for between 20 and 40 seconds, you know, usually less when the stars align and you have many decisions to make in that short amount of time, especially when you factor the speed of the game and the skill of the players that are with you and also against you. So there's a series of decisions that are made about positioning, when to attack, when to pinch, when not to do not to do so, uh, when the puck does find you on the points. Uh, you see this a lot, folks. I, I bang the drum as often as I can. Go to City National or go to Lifeguard Arena. If you want a, a less crowded venue, definitely Lifeguard Arena once the AHL season officially kicks off and catch some of these practices. Something I noticed the very first time I watched the Henderson Silver Knights practice at Lifeguard was a drill for the defensemen, something you're going to see Korzak doing a lot of. It was a drill where basically one of the coaches like chips the puck off the boards. The defenseman has to pinch and accept it, and then they shoot one puck in, they skate across, and they do a drill basically where they go left to right, right to left. They have to dodge basically something in front of them, but then they have to fire a shot underneath a stick that's about, I don't know, maybe like this much gap. You have to fire the shot under that stick, but elevate the shot as well to get in the zone. So that's just a very small glimpse at what these defensemen do as they are trying to develop their game. Someone like Korzak obviously is doing a lot of this right now as he's trying to uh, make his mark. And uh, I mean, if Nick Haig doesn't uh, come to camp uh, the next two days now, folks, September 21st, VGK camp officially starts. If Haig doesn't get there soon, uh, Korzak, uh, yeah, go get him. What about uh, Leighton Ahak? You watched him a lot on the AHL level. What's his game like? Um, I mean, same thing. You know, he's certainly one of those players that he had a lot of minutes out there. He was on one of the higher pairings for the most part. And same thing, didn't necessarily stand out as a defenseman, kind of like what Korzak was doing, right? But you're just watching to see the little things get done, clearing out the garbage in front of the net, something BGK certainly lacked a lot of last year, Tony. How many times did we see, obviously, where there was uh, those goals scored and they used that overhead camera right over the crease and all you see is Robin Leonard, a puck, and uh, a visiting sweater right in front of him. So Ahak certainly can get in front there and muddy that up a little bit. Um, You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be him and uh, Korzak on the same line together at some point because obviously injuries do happen throughout the season and we hope the defense can stay healthy. The defense were somewhat actually kind of healthy last year when at least comparing to uh, what we lost on the forward side. But who knows, maybe uh, maybe he'll be the eighth or ninth defenseman up at some point. 
When we return, we'll talk more about the rookie face-off, much more coming up. Later on, we'll talk about Bill Foley. Is he really going to buy a British soccer team? Talk about that power play when we return as well. <laughs> You're listening and watching Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is the fastest. It's the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for each and every league. We've got NFL Monday Night Football happening tonight. National Hockey League action coming up. You've got MLB. You've got all sorts of action. The National Basketball Association, combat sports, much, much more. They also book golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the action that's happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our Locked On VGK YouTube channel. And Chris, uh, things got a little, a little crazy there in the uh, the second game that VGK played against the Kings. Uh, got a little chippy, if you will. Uh, we saw Mason Primo and uh, the Kings, Justin Knackbauer. They just dropped the gloves. Everyone just backed off. And it was a decent scrap. I mean, Primo had his uh, helmet knocked off. Well, it didn't fall off entirely. But it was just dangling. And he did get in a good uppercut. So the judges gave him points on that. Uh, but a nice scrap in this game. And then at the end of regulation, as they went into OT, uh, Carter Sochi uh, was ejected because he had a hit to the head of uh, of Clark Brendan uh, Brent Clark right of the Kings and knocked him silly and they threw him out of the game so he wasn't around they were a man short for the entire overtime period but maybe this team has that grit that VGK's missing <laughs> these the rookie games can be interesting and definitely once the official preseason starts what in a week from tonight, right? I think a week from tonight or Sunday night, I think, is our first game. It's and then the Monday shortest, is the, it, it's yeah. the shortest preseason camp in sports, right? They just come in and then all of a sudden they're playing exhibition games. And I'm, I'm, and I guess changing gears, I'm fine with that. You know, look at the NFL, all the nonsense for preseason, how long that garbage lasted for. And even though the camp officially starts on Wednesday and they're playing games a few days later, these players have been, a lot of them been skating all off season, but a lot of times the play, they have the off the books captains practices and such, if you will, they usually start, you know, around the first of September, maybe that first week or that first weekend and such. So the players are ready to go by that point. They don't need a ton of time, especially your veterans who've been doing this for a while and things like that. So I'm not overly concerned. Um, but back to where I was going with this is those games are where the players are literally fighting for roster spots. If you are a fan of the fights, if you do like seeing the gloves dropped and such, definitely hit the preseason games because that is where that type of action is. You still see fights from time to time at the NHL level. 
but not nearly as much as you used to. I mean, there was a time, one, two, three fights a game, no questions asked. Now there's maybe one fight a game. Maybe Keegan Colasar drops the gloves and gets his butt kicked. Who, who knows? You know, that's that that's still an area that Tony feels we, we missed out on getting that enforcer who could uh who could do that. And I'm, and I'm with Tony on that, definitely. I think um, BGK could use a protector if you will. And maybe one will emerge, maybe a Colasar, you know, bulked up a little bit and, you know, he'll be that person that Ryan Reeves used to be in the sense that if you mess with March so, if you mess with Theodore, or if you dare go near William Carlson, you know, Ryan Reeves was there to, uh, to remind you that you don't do that, those types of things. So yeah, a lot to be excited for right now. I have no idea what the topic even was as we came in there, but you mentioned fighting. So I just went down <laughs> my own road there. And I like Primo, Mason Primo, 6'7". I mean, he's a heavyweight, and maybe you just bring him up to be a goon for a little bit for the VGK because they do need that grit. You know, I mean, Mark Stone was talking about grit. I didn't see much grit by this team last season. They need to be really gritty. And I'm not talking about that stupid dance, the gritty. They need to have some grit. And Ahak, we talked about him. Uh, Connor Corcoran scored goals in that second game. Uh, okay, so due to that big uh, penalty, right, at the end of regulation, the five-minute overtime period, uh, one of the goalies that we haven't talked about, Jesper, uh, Jesper Vickman, did a really good job because they had the man advantage of Kings for the full five minutes in overtime. So he, he got he got five minutes for that. He got five in a game or a yeah, five-minute major. Okay, yeah. Wow, His okay. conduct got, got tossed, and, right. and that was that. And then – you're playing down a man when you're already skating in OT, you know, <laughs> with just a few skaters uh, on the ice. And I thought he did a really good job. Uh, and VGK, obviously, to keep the puck out of the net. And then they lost on the shootout. And Brisson had he had a really good shot. And uh, we saw a sprawling save by the, by the Kings goaltender, you know, uh, in that uh, shootout period. And, the refs, I mean, I'm not picking on you guys, but they didn't know how many shots, you know, in a rookie game we were going to have you know, for, for, for the shootout. But it was yeah, fun. It was um, fun. All sorts of uh, fun things happening there. I had something teed up, and I just totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I literally had something teed up. You said something about the refs. Oh, yeah, penalty killer. So, I mean, very simple perspective. Your best penalty killer needs to be your goaltender, I guess, right? So we certainly got a, got um, an opportunity to see uh, see what the youngster could uh, bring there. And just going back, you reminded me earlier, Tony, in the last segment about the, the camera and stuff like that. We bought the AHL TV package during the Silver Knights' first season because that's obviously when – when uh, everything with with COVID was still you know alive and well in the sense that the everything was shut down, so you couldn't go to any games. So we purchased the AHL package, thinking, "Hey, cool, we're going to get to check out some broadcasts and and everything." And oh my goodness, like every AHL game you watch with the AHL package, Tony, is like what you just explained. It's one camera. If they have a local production for that game, you might get a couple cameras and maybe maybe announcers, maybe, but it's one camera, hard to follow. A lot of times there's hot mics, so if you do have a broadcast and it goes to commercial, you still hear the announcers talking. <laughs> yes. Never really caught anything too bad in, in those statements or anything like that. They they knew they were hot, so they, they they were okay. But you know, it was a very strange process and hard to follow, and it wasn't necessarily good 
to build excitement around like you would think during COVID and such, that'd be the time to at least booster that part of it to make you want to go to a game or something like that. But, you know, same thing for these rookie games. I get the games are free and I get their streaming on, you know, insert random social media platform here, but you know, I don't know. It's not like our tickets are cheap when we go to these games and stuff like that. We are paying these teams a pretty penny to, you know, do a little more. I feel like, uh, you know, I could set up me and two of my buddies with cell phone cameras, mount them and, uh, you know, set up an OBS and a streamline and we could do our own little broadcast probably for, uh, you know, a fraction of the cost and at least give you three different camera angles. Yeah. Or hold up your computer and do the, uh, the zoom like we do. I think you'd have, you know, better coverage. Just move your computer back and forth. But yeah, they definitely need to invest in those broadcasts because that was, I'm trying to watch the game and I was literally like back and forth and they would lose track of the puck and, Today they have you know those robotic uh, robotic uh, types of cameras. Too, I'm glad you mentioned that. I got that some are, there, but go ahead. That are hand no, they're hand controlled, or they just pick up the movement of the puck somehow. I know that they use them like in high school basketball, but the AHL should be much more advanced. I, I'm definitely down with that. So it's funny you mentioned that. I uh, I refed hockey the uh, one week ago this past Tuesday, so six days ago over at uh, Las Vegas Ice Las Vegas Ice Center. I haven't been in that place in a while, and I'm not the biggest fan of LVIC. I think I've probably mentioned that in the show a couple of times. But the first thing I noticed when I got in there was a four-way digital scoreboard with a big screen on it and, and digital graphics on the side. And I saw what was happening on the ice was being broadcast. And I'm thinking, okay, how is the camera moving? Because you can see like this big, weird circular thing with three cameras on it and such like that. But somehow the camera knows, and there's nothing in the pucks. We're using the same puck, so there's not something in the puck that's getting the camera. My assumption is the play, the, the cameras automatically follow wherever the most activity on the ice is. And it was it was kind of funny because I was able to look up at the scoreboard. There's about a four to five second delay. So you see the goalie make a save, you blow the play dead, then boom, you glance up right away as soon as you know as long as nothing's happening in front of you with the scrum or anything like that to to kind of catch the replay and. That right there, whatever that technology was, was significantly better than what you explained for these rookie games at a yeah. local house hockey rink. Yeah, so they do. They use something like that for high school football now and for high school basketball. It's probably the so same system. It's probably the exact same system. Yeah. And uh, the lines, the lines that they had in the rookie faceoff, uh, the top line, which we'll see a lot for AHL Henderson, Daniel D'Amato. Ivan Morozov and Brendan Brisson. That was the top line. The second line played really well, as we mentioned, in the second game. And that was Mason Primo, Zach Dean, the draft choice, and Lyndon McCallum. And they moved the puck very well, really well. And we saw that give and go uh, by uh, Primo, uh, the give and go to McCallum uh, for, I think it was the second goal in game number two. But those are some pretty good lines that have got to get the fans in Henderson excited too. Um, so folks, I've mentioned this a million times. I am also a silver night season ticket holder. We love going down the dollar loan center. It's eight minutes from my house, which, which helps. So that's a good thing. And, you know, thinking about this, the silver Knights roster on top of the players you just mentioned, we still haven't talked about Cotter, Lecision, Dorofiev, uh, Ron Bjerg and, and all of those players who are going to contribute at high levels. And now you also have seven or eight players on the forward side competing for maybe one, maybe two roster spots at the VGK level. 
So Henderson's going to be pretty stacked this year. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned McCallum a second ago. Just some quick hitters on McCallum. First thing I saw, of course, with the Brandon Wheat Kings insert connection with uh, with Kelly. Um, with Kelly McCrimmon right there, obviously. And then to the Fort Wayne Comets, ultimately up to the the AHL Silver Knights. So he is as homegrown as it gets, right? We we with our personal scouting team with the Brandon uh, Wheat Kings, and then to the Comets, which is our ECHL affiliate. So it goes Comets, Silver Knights, Golden Knights. I still wonder if we're going to try and locate an ECHL franchise somewhere in the state. Maybe not necessarily Southern Nevada, but maybe up in Reno or something like that. I think that would be super cool. Don't they if, have the uh, ghost of the ghost team? The oh, new that's team. right. So yeah, that's right. We okay, so it's not the Comets anymore. It's the Ghost Savannah Ghost Pirates. Savannah. Thank you. There Thank we you. go. Thank you for uh, saving me there, Tony, before I took us down an edge and uh, the wrong ledge and someone uh, hit us on YouTube or something like that. But maybe perhaps a lower level rookie sort of league here. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, bring back the Federal League. (laughs) (laughs) VGK closes things out. That's good. Uh, VGK closes things out today, 1230 against Anaheim. And if you're going to watch this, please, uh, Dramamine, folks. Coming up next, Bill Foley on the power play. We'll explain <laughs> after this. You're listening and watching Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick here in Las Vegas. And uh, Chris, oh, the billionaires, boy, can they play some games because they have all sorts of money. So, so late last week, we got word that Bill Foley is deep in discussions to purchase the AFC Bournemouth team. And I call them Vegas Born. That's B-O-U-R-N-E. That's my hashtag for them. Uh, they call them the cherries over there. And uh, the asking price, you can maybe figure this out, is 150 million euro. Doesn't seem like that's too expensive. So anyway, in any event, Foley is the owner of the Golden Knights, as we know. And he's also the chairman of Fidelity National Financial. It's one of the largest insurance companies in the U.S. So, But I see a little bit of what's going on here. We have billionaire games. We have billionaire games happening, folks. So we heard that Las Vegas is up for an MLS team. And Bill Foley trademarks the Las Vegas, or the he likes Vegas more, whatever it is, the Las Vegas Heroes. And then Wes Edens, who owns the Milwaukee Bucks, he trademarks the villains. So we have the heroes and the villains. Yep, you see what's happening here, right? So we are in line here in Las Vegas to get the 30th MLS franchise coming to Las Vegas. Hopefully this happens. 30, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy, right? And so Wes Edens also owns the Ashton Villas of the Premier League over there in Europe. And they want a team here, they say, by perhaps 2026. And I think, you know, again, I think they're playing games to try to try to posture to see who will be first in line. I think Edens is probably, at this point, or I thought heading into this weekend, uh, the prohibitive favorite to get the team because, again, he owns uh, Ashton over there in Europe. Uh, And so they want to put this MLS team on that 110 acre site uh, right there on the strip, Chris, uh, between 
uh, Warm Springs and Blue Diamond Road. And it goes right up against the I-15. There's nothing there now. That'll be great. Uh, and then Eden's also owns the Brightline Train Company. So they're going to put a train station there. Oh, wow. But there's so much happening here. A lot to unpack, right? And then the Oakview Group is building a hotel there. They want to build the arena for an NBA team. And so Eden's now, his company, by the way, is called Fortress Investments. <laughs> Can it get any crazier than this? Oh, the games that the billionaires play. I don't know, Tony. I got to say, that was a pretty remarkable 90 or 120 seconds by you there, Tony. Like, you got to give give Tony all the props for the, the fortress and the train and, and everything, and then the names, the heroes, the villains. That That's some fun stuff right there, Tony. So, seriously, that, that really just impressed me the last two minutes, what you just said there. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is interesting, the games that uh, these – these people play and it's, you know, it's no different than the games that maybe you and I play at the hundred K level or the 10 K or the one K level, whatever our, our net worth is these days. It's not too much, at least for me, I don't think at least, but you know, $10 level, $10 make you holler. Right. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, it's fun. Like it is fun to watch all these things unfold. It's fun to follow. It's fun when someone like yourself unearths it all. And then you can just kind of take it from there. Um, I guess the only thing I would maybe argue, and first of all, props to the MLS. I remember watching the MLS when it was first, uh, you know, Chicago Fire, I believe, were one of the original teams, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, that's my old stopping grounds around 95, if if I don't recall. And I believe they won the first MLS title, too, to take it a step farther. Um, We went to a game in Soldier Field, I remember. And then they they before they got their stadium in Bridgeview, they played at Naperville College, for a while. And that was actually kind of a weird experience getting to catch it there. Cause you're right on top of the field in an environment like that. So that was, I went to a few games down there. They had a nice stadium in Bridgeview, but now they're back playing in soldier field for whatever reason, how that whole thing works out. We caught a Seattle Sounders game in Seattle a couple of years ago up at, I think it's called Lumen field. It's not century link anymore, but that was a ton of fun as well. And, you know, locally, as far as soccer goes, you got the Las Vegas lights out here right now uh, who had their game, canceled the other night because the field was unplayable very long story short there i know this is a hockey show but tony's shaking his head so i gotta tell it now we get there and there's a spot of the field that just looks like there's kind of sand on it during warm-ups there's not a lot a lot of action happening out there the the players are warming up doing their thing in front of the goals obviously but this area is just like walled off basically about five minutes to go in warm-ups the the truck comes out The owner himself, I don't know his name, but the owner himself has a shovel in his hand. They're pouring sand. They're patting it down. They got the roller out there. They announced there's going to be a delay. 45 minutes later, the ref comes out. They're, like, doing cuts and running and kicking the ball on this stuff. Ultimately, they take a soccer ball. They drop it on a good patch of grass. The ball bounces up four feet, you know, four, three, two, one, and stops. They drop it on the sand. Boom. Doesn't move. Doesn't move. Game gets canceled right there, and refunds given, and, and, you know, it was unfortunate. But, um... Outside of that bad night for the Las Vegas lights, we do have the Las Vegas lights here. They do draw okay at Cashman, two, three thousand people a game, maybe something like that. And that's certainly a stepping stone for a possible MLS team out here. There is soccer visibility. There is support amongst the community. Cashman Field, not the most optimal place outside of the field conditions. It's just not the greatest place. Hence why the the 51s are no longer exist. And we have the aviators now playing over in Summerlin. But I got to think Foley should be the favorite to get a team out here just with his Las Vegas connections, with what you saw happen with 
the Golden Knights. And, you know, I, I got to take a shot, VGK. I have to take a shot here. But with everything else VGK does, whenever a, a new team comes into their building, I will get an email that says, okay, good for you. Here's your MLS tickets. You have to opt out by XYZ date or we're going to charge you five grand for tickets. I'm yeah. sorry. I had to. I had to. I'm right. sorry. I try not to do that, but that was too easy. So who is the best hacky sack player for VGK? Because they might try to recruit him to play over there in, in England. Two way contract maybe for Jack Eichel between soccer. There's, I get the feeling there's nothing that Eichel you know, cannot do. Right. Well, they show yesterday, uh, Lazard, I was watching the, the Bears uh, Packers game and yeah, shout out to my Bears for getting crushed on national TV. Silly Bears fans thinking we were going to be in that game. I knew that minus 10 and a half was a gift, folks, for that game. But moving forward from there, <laughs> they were showing Lazard, actually, the Green Bay receiver who sat out the first week and had a touchdown and two receptions for fantasy purposes, of course. Um, but they were showing him pregame, actually. We were at the Chinese restaurant watching a little bit. And he was out there with a soccer ball, just juggling and stuff like that. And the announcers were kind of commentating. So, yeah, folks, you never know where these shows are going to go sometimes. You never know where our show, especially the third segment. All bets are off for the third segment for me and Tony. And while we're at it, too, going off track here. I like uh, it. I wanted I like to it. congratulate the Las Vegas Aces for winning. We should have started the show with the that, WNBA Tony. We, we missed on that. We should have started with that. Well, but yeah. tomorrow we can take a shot at this parade route, which is really lame. <sighs> It's so lame. It goes from Caesars Palace to Bellagio. I think they would do much better for the Vegas Golden Knights, but who knows? Who knows? And remember, in 2017, they wanted to have like a loser parade for VGK. Remember that? Okay, you lost in the Stanley Cup final. Now we want to throw you a parade? Good thing VGK came to their senses. We've got so much to talk about. Tomorrow we'll talk about this rookie league game going on, VGK and Anaheim. If you're watching at home on YouTube, this is how you should view it. And make sure that those microphones aren't overmodulated. Now make your second listen. We thank you all for listening and making this the first listen each and every day of Locked On Golden Knights. Your second listen, uh, Chris, is Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. Tony Cardasco for my man Chris Golick. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.